number one, don't take the first offer that you receive in negotiation with a brand. Negotiation is a back and forth dance. You should be able to find mutually beneficial agreement with a brand before just saying yes. You are giving them the content that they're looking for that they can't create, which is why they're outsourcing it to you. So this is a huge benefit for them. The second thing is that you can make more money and do less work by charging for things like usage rights, exclusivity, whitelisting, even blacklisting. So make sure that you're combing through your contracts to see if those things are in there. I have a lot of students that make more from those than they do from the content they created on their own, which is crazy. And then I would say the third thing to aim for long-term deals. If you want consistent income and you want to make a full-time income, you need something sustainable to actually pay your bills. You need something you can count on. And so that comes with building those long-term relationships. Always try and take any one-off campaign that you get and work on nurturing that relationship to turn it into a long-term one that you can more consistently rely on. Welcome to Check Your Aesthetic Podcast, the go-to podcast for self-starting creatives. I'm Katie Campbell, the owner of Katie Creative Co., a social media management agency located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I'm Alexis Aldrich, a Vermont-based content creator focused on promoting productivity that fits your unique lifestyle and growing my career in marketing and creative business strategy. On CYA, you will catch authentic conversations around entrepreneurship, social media, self-care, and the creative industry. If you're looking to grow your online following, boost your productivity, and connect with other ambitious female creatives, then you've come to the right place. Let's get into this week's episode. Hey. Hey. (laughs) How are you? I stole your line. I stole your line this time. I know. I could see you about to say it. Um, So... First off, I would just want to say that this episode was so amazing. I feel like I, Katie texted me halfway through and was like, you using this (laughs) as like an informational interview. I'm like, yes, I am. Um, Yeah, I just had to say that. But. Are you going to say who it is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This episode's great, but you have to wait and see who it is. You have to wait and see, and I'm not going to tell you anything. It's it's literally a secret. Um. Okay, well, I'll, since I'm always the intro girly, I'm stealing yeah, the intro ahead. from you. Um, today we had Kalia Nicole on. She is a brand collab coach and content creator herself, and she helps creators land brand partnerships. So that is what we talked about today. We talked all about brand partnerships, how much you should be charging, how to get your first one, should you be accepting gifted collabs, what to do when brands are sketchy, what red flags are. It was genuinely one of the most um, helpful episodes that we have had, and I wish that genuinely. I, I wish that I could could have listened to this many, many, many months ago, but yes, Alexis sorry, told me that she had an update Kalia. that she was... I was excited to say this. Uh, Alexis already, is something she's so excited to share with me. I already have shared it with you. Um, oh, okay. It's very momentous, and I just feel like, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> it's very stupid and not actually news, but I just felt like... I literally thought the other day, I was like, should I mention this on the podcast? Yes, because everyone needs to know. I unfollowed Tom Felton. I'm like, I was shocked. Like, I seriously, like, I know that you had been like, haha, he's cringe. But like, I did not think you would actually unfollow him. However, the stories that he was, like, the things you would send me were so embarrassing for him. I kind of, see, yeah. See, I kind of want, like, I don't know. I'm very. follows him back right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, literally. On it just, air. like, genuinely, like, upsets me, like, how cringy is. And I realized, I think, because, like, I just, like, love Draco. Like, I still love Draco. But I think that I realized what my, like, fascination with Tom Felton was, was that I feel like he was, like, a case study for me of how I could, like, edit his, um, like, personal brand. Because I he had, like... Help. Like, his yeah, P- I would his PR. I'm like, yeah, sorry. I would just done. like, because I feel like that's why I was like fascinated by him. And like, he is like a very kind, like sweet person. I don't think he's like a bad person by any he's means. He's just like so cringe. And it's very clear that like he does all of his stuff. Yeah. And that he like peaked in Harry Potter. He peeks in Harry Potter and like is leaning way too hard into that. And I just it's like. It's been like so long. <laughs> yeah. And I think like this whole time it was really like the whole Tom Felton thing for me was really just like a branding opportunity. <laughs> like that sure. was what, sure, that girl. was what I liked. But. Like, keep telling yourself that, you know. Totally. But now I'm like, it's, it's gone too far. There's like literally no, it, there's no helping. It's gone, it's gone too far. It's too far gone. Yeah. He's a, um, what, what are they called? A lost cause. His lost cause. Yes. And, like, I'm sorry, Sorry, but Tommy. Whoever designed his... Because he's coming out with a book. That was really what, like, made me... It was too much. Um, who designed his book cover? Who? It's, like... It is who? so scary. Yeah. And like, you'd be shocked if you saw it. So this is your sign to go take a look at that. <laughs> um, but, yeah. honestly, to be completely honest, this episode was so meaty and juicy... Yeah, we and, just need to get into it. Like, but actually, that was very important it, news. Obviously, that was very Breaking important. Breaking news. Um, but I can just tell you guys, I don't have any personal updates in my life that are as exciting as what you're about to hear. So, and it was a Same. pretty long recording too. So we'll just, we'll cut the crap. We're going to cut the crap and we're going to get into this episode with Kalia. We are going to take a quick break to hear from our new bestie, our sponsor for this week. Okay, bye. Alexis, can you guess what is on my feet right now? Is it comrade socks? You are correct. I will say, I have never been a sock person. Alexis has always been a sock person. She stays wearing socks. Yes. And my boyfriend is a sock person. I have to ask him to take off his socks whenever we go to sleep because it grosses me out. I don't want him to be wearing his socks in my bed. Now, comrade socks, maybe I'd let him wear. (laughs) (laughs) But um, these socks have changed me into a sock person. And I will say, so when we got sent these, it's not that Katie was negative, but I would say that she was... I was sock neutral. You were very sock neutral. And I was like, (laughs) socks, this is great. And I knew because Comrade socks are socks with benefits and they have compression. And I think that like, especially working from home, I mean, really any job that you're working at on a computer, my legs be cramping. And... Mm -hmm. I love any sock that kind of has that like snug feeling because it just helps with circulation and it helps me not getting that restless foot leg kind Mm -hmm. of feeling. So I Mm -hmm. knew that I was going to be obsessing. And I told Katie, you need to be wearing these every day. And Katie was like, you know, they're socks. And then I forced her to wear them. And she's like, you know what? I understand. These aren't just socks. These aren't just socks. Yeah. And I think, so I'm somebody who wears a lot of no-show socks. I need no-show socks for a lot of my shoe choices. And no-show socks, it's very hard to find a no-show sock that does not slip down your foot. It is so hard. They're slipping off your heel. You're getting blisters. Comrade socks, seriously, some of the best no-show socks that I've ever tried on. And they have that compression. And if you're wondering, what is a compression sock? Why should I have one? That some of the benefits of compression socks are pain relief, all-day comfort, 
brain like sharpness, mm. um, more energy, and heart health. There's so many benefits to compression socks. And you can feel that, you know, the compression, it's not like just a super tight sock. Right. You know, it's kind of right. compressed in the right areas. Um, but love the no-shows. I love literally every single pair that I've tried from them. And I, like Alexa said, I, you know, I'm not a sock girl. So that turns me into a sock brat. And I, yeah, very I have been a fan about of Comrade. Yeah, especially if you if you are someone who, let's say, I have not, so far, I have not purchased this, but eventually when I do get my walking pad, I am going to be staying in Comrade Socks because it also helps with like, if you're Absolutely. someone that works like retail or works in like, you know, food services, if you're on your feet all the time, these help like literally so much. And especially for me, I am like hella flat-footed. And so these suck your little inner foot part, you know, like the arch, it like sucks it in and it's just like really innovative. Absolutely. We love it. So if you want to shop, go to comradesocks.com and you can shop all of their different styles. And yeah, we're comrade fans for life. Hi, Kalia. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners who might not be familiar with you and what you do? Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So my name is Kalia Nicole. And I'm a brand collab coach and then also a full-time content creator. So I really focus on making the content for brands and then also teaching other creators how they can monetize their unique talents and skill sets through brand partnerships. That is so amazing. I feel like that is so needed in the influencer content creation space. So kind of talk about that space and how you kind of got into it and brought yourself into the community. Sure. So I actually started back in 2015. So this was seven years ago now, which is crazy to think about. I was a freshman in college. I was 17 years old. And I knew that like in sitting in a humanities class, I, we were going around the room and everyone was like, Oh, what do you want to do when you graduate? Where do you want to work? Where do you want to go? And we were like going around the room and everyone's like, Oh, I want to work with this corporation or do this or do this. And there was like a, just a small handful of people that were like, I really want to work for myself, but I'm here to just like get more experience, do internships, meet people, all that. Well, when they got to me, I was like, Ooh, corporate. I like had never wanted to work in corporate work for someone else. I, you know, carried part-time jobs here and there throughout college. And I was always like distracted and wanting to do my own thing. So when they got to me, I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I, I really want to work for myself. I don't know what that looks like, but I definitely want to start my own business. And so that kind of started this idea of what if I created a blog and just showcase like my life being a college student, you know, how am I studying and also mm-hmm. doing a full-time or a part-time job at that time. And being a full-time student and how am I balancing things and also like meeting new people and trying new things and you know, all just the entire college experience. So I started a blog. Then I got connected with some other creatives, like in the community I was in back and forth between St. Pete, Florida and Orlando at that time. And there was like a big Orlando, like blogger community. And so I connected with some of them and I saw that they were doing brand partnerships and it was super intriguing to me. But when I tried to like reach out and even offer to like pay for mentorship to understand how the ins and outs worked and how to navigate partnerships. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, listen, I think that it's great. You want to do this, but you're really young and you're probably not going to make it in this industry. And that was like, really, I was like, first of all, Ew. watch me. Okay. <laughs> Second yeah. of all, um, I just like, it really hurt my feelings at the time, but it really also lit a fire under my butt yeah. to figure it out on my own. And so 
I basically made this like promise to myself that number one, I was going to figure it out. And number two, when I did figure it out, I was going to use that knowledge and the experience I had gained to bless other people and to help them on Mm -hmm. their journey and not withhold that or gatekeep that because I, I've always had the mentality that if someone else wins, like I win, it's it's community mm. driven. It's not like yeah. oh, you versus me, and it, there's no room yep. for for you because I'm here. Like two no, people can't for that. succeed. Kind yeah, of exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I started to just like through trial and error, reach out to brands, send my pitch emails, send some real terrible emails, like because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was just figuring it out, and eventually started to land some partnerships, and I loved it. Like it lit me up. And Mm -hmm. I eventually started making money from it. Then people asked questions of like, hey, how are you doing this? And and how are you landing these deals and negotiating and all of this? And I was like, oh, wow, you know, like this is so cool. Like people are asking me, I get to tell them now. So I started doing like mentoring and then kind of like outgrew that. And then I needed to start a group coaching program and outgrew that. And then now we have um, two courses that we offer. So that's kind of been like, you know, in short, the journey of the seven years. But it started when I was a freshman, 17 years old in college. That's so amazing. That's amazing. I love Love that. And I think it's interesting. I, I feel like a lot of people now forget that so many of us started and I'm, I'm kind of the same way where I've been doing things online since I was in literally yeah. middle school. Like I had, a, as everybody listening who's listened for a while knows, I had a beauty YouTube channel. I was Love trying it. to be in my beauty guru era, but it did not succeed. <laughs> that wasn't really my vibes. But um, I actually saw a TikTok the other day that was like, hey, to everybody who had like a you know, a YouTube channel in middle school, how's your career and social media going? (laughs) Did you? Yes. I I, I saw it separately too anyway. But um, I feel like, like there is kind of a long game there and I love that story. But um, so, okay. Talking about partnerships, because that's one of the main things that you talk about is collaborations. Obviously being an influencer is great and fun and whatever, but it's only sustainable if you're able to really, you know, monetize it sadly it's just the world we live in you know but it's also very fun yeah (laughs) um so for our listeners who might not be content creators or who are you know aspiring content creators who maybe haven't had their first brand deal um can you kind of walk us through kind of from start to finish the typical process of a brand collaboration for people who are listening and they're like okay but what even is that yeah so it really depends on if the brand reached out to you first or if you're pitching to them and reaching mm-hmm. out. So if a brand reaches out to you, they typically have, a, hopefully, a decent amount of details of what they're looking for from that partnership mm-hmm. together. And so they'll send that over, say, hey, like we have this opportunity for you. Is it something that you're interested in? If you are, you'll go back and forth in negotiation, deciding on a rate, which if you're listening to this, don't just accept gifted collabs all the time because those don't pay your bills, okay? So you're going to want to get paid for this time and energy and effort that you're putting into creating the content. So you're going to decide on a rate, then also the deliverables. Deliverables is just a fancy word for content. So are you doing a reel? Are you doing a TikTok? Are you doing a blog post, an email, you know, blast? What what does it look like? And Mm -hmm. then after Mm -hmm. everything is decided on through email conversation, typically you want to get things out of your DMs. Also, you want to do this over email because it's Mm. more professional. So once that has been decided, the next step is to get a contract. Even if you are doing something for free, I always, always, always recommend to have a contract so there's no miscommunication or unmet expectations yeah. when it comes to the entire process of working with a brand. So you want to get some everything under contract. The, the rates that they said, when they're going to pay you, how they're going to pay you, what the deliverables are, when those are due. Is there approval for that content? All those details need to be in writing and both parties need to sign. Do not start on any work for any brand Mm -hmm. until both you and the brand have signed that contract. So now you're legally bound by it. After that is where you're going to start executing those deliverables. You're going to create the content 
um, get that ready. Majority of brands are going to want approval for that content, which just basically means they want to see it before you actually post it. Typically I suggest that you mm -hmm. put like a watermark or something on there or a way that they can't just like grab it and, you know, take it and like not pay you. And you know, they have the content. So you'll deliver that content to them and then they'll approve it. If they want any revisions, they'll let you know. I have a revisions clause in my contract to make sure that brands not like, you know, 10 revisions in and you know, I'm not getting paid for any mm -hmm. of that when it's like more right. of my time and everything. So you'll do any revisions that are needed. Then you'll actually create, you know, post that content, make it live. They'll typically want analytics after that. So you'll send them screenshots of how that content performed. If it's content that's posted on your social media, send that over to them. And then you'll also send over an invoice. That's how they're going to pay you. Um, pay some you. people use software in order to pay you like Willa or Lumanu or bill.com. Um, I typically request like direct deposit for everything. If they're paying you through like PayPal, for example, I try and stay away from PayPal. But if they are doing that, make sure that they cover the PayPal fee as well. Yes. Or if they're paying you mm -hmm. from out of country, that they're covering the wire transfer fee, things like that are yep. things you need to consider. So then you'll get paid. And then basically the collaboration is wrapped. My biggest piece of advice is anytime you do a one-off campaign, which basically means a brand approach you, they want you to do something for, let's say, you know, Halloween or the holiday season for something they have launching. I always try and turn those into long-term partnerships. And that's really the difference mm -hmm. between how I teach how to do partnerships versus a lot of other creator coaches or brand collab coaches or influencer coaches is a lot of them can teach you how to land one deal here or a deal here, there, right. you know, but not a lot yeah. will teach about how to consistently land partnerships and land long-term you know, relationships right. with relationships. these brands. Exactly. Because that's where the money is. The reason that a lot of creators, yeah. you know, don't end up making it is because they're doing one deal here, one deal there. And it's like, might be 10,000 here, but then you go three months with nothing. And it's like, yeah. that's not sustainable. And you're you constantly live. working to like reach out. Whereas yes. if you have a sustainable relationship, you're already set. Totally. Totally. So after you do that one-off campaign, I suggest pitching to them again and saying, Hey, Loved working, I with, liked you working on this. with you. Yep. Yeah. I would love to do another partnership. Here are some ideas that I have for a three month campaign or even just starting with two months to kind of still get their feet wet and working mm -hmm. with you. Something like that is great. So that's what the process looks like if they reach out to you first. Now, everything else will remain the same. The only things that will change is if you're pitching to them. So that kind of adds some, you know, work to the front end of that process where you pitch to the brand. You send them a personalized pitch with details and, and examples of how you want to work with them and what kind of content you could create for them. Then mm -hmm. you're going to also send a, a series of follow-ups because we don't want to just send a pitch email and then peace out and hope that they respond to one email. You want to send follow-ups. Then once you hear back from them, that's when you go into the negotiation phase and then everything flows kind of from there, as I previously explained. So the only difference is like you're reaching out to them and having to do and put a little bit more legwork into the front end of the process, but execution wise on the back end, things look the same. I love that. I have I have a question that has popped up about pitching. Obviously, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, pitching yourself and things like that later in the episode, but you mentioned, you know, giving them examples of like what kind of work you could do for them, things like that. I feel like the trap that a lot of people fall into, and I'm not even, I mean, I'm a social media manager, so it's it's a content creator in sort of a different form, um, but not, you know, outside of brand partnerships even. A lot of people will say, you know, like make example post or make example whatever. Kind of what is your opinion on that kind of thing when it comes to brand partnerships? Because obviously you don't want to be doing like free, free work, work, but I know yeah. that there is like merit in, you know, creating – user-generated content for a brand you really love and then sharing that with them, you know, and saying like, 
hey, I created this reel, you know, to showcase yeah. your, you know, brand. Kind of where where do you fall on that kind of um spectrum. Yeah, that's a good question because that is a hot debate in the influencer marketing industry. And people might disagree with me saying this, but I'm going to stand true. I've said this for years and years now is that if you are reaching out to a brand and you have never posted the kind of content that you are telling them you can create, what do they have to go off of to trust you to create that content? And it doesn't even have to be specifically for that brand. For example, right now we're pitching to hotels in Chicago for a trip my husband and I are taking. I've worked with multiple hotels before, but I've also stayed at hotels and just captured content while being there for trips I fully paid for, posted them in the format of an in-feed post, real stories. So I have examples. So when I landed my first hotel collaboration, they weren't like, I don't even know how you would take pictures at a hotel because I Mm -hmm. see only fashion stuff or only beauty stuff on your page. So now I've worked with multiple hotels. And so when we're reaching out to these Chicago ones, we literally have a line in our pitch that says, you know, some previous examples of work that I've done for other brands in a similar capacity can be seen here, here, and here. And we hyperlink those Mm -hmm. to the content I've done previously. So I always, always suggest that you have some form of example because even think about when you're working a regular job and you send them in a resume and if the resume and the experience that you have, the internships that you've done, the other jobs that you've done don't match the job you're uh, applying for, they're not going to be as keen yeah, to once, hire you because they're like, yeah, I don't know if point? you can do this position unless there's like nepotism and you got family involved and they're like, well, we trust yeah, that person. Exactly. Like right. well, we got you, we'll give you the job. Right. So in that case, think about it the same way. Like a brand is a business and you should be treating this as a business and as a business to another business, you should be able to show them examples of what you can create for them. So I also suggest this if you're wanting to pitch to different brands in different industries or niches where it's like, okay, I typically focus on, let's say travel, but I'm wanting to do something beauty related, you know, and do like a get ready with me. Well, I should probably have a get ready with me organically. Even it doesn't always have to be like free sponsored content, you know, think about it like organically. What are the brands that you use and love and and trust and would already talk about whether you're paid to or not? How can you create content strategically thinking okay, I'm going to create this organic piece of content, but I'm going to use it as leverage when I'm pitching to get a sponsored post for totally. this beauty brand for this organic get ready with me that I already filmed for yep. TikTok, right? So right. that's the connection. Yeah. It's not even, it's taking away, getting out of the mindset of like, oh my gosh, I'm just doing all this free work. It's like, sure, if you want to look at it that way, or you can look at it as you're being extremely strategic as a business to give right. mm-hmm. brands a no brainer option as to why they should hire you. Right. Well, it's, it's kind of like a portfolio almost where like yes. if you're if you're trying to apply to a job as like a graphic designer and you don't have any experience working in an agency or for a company as a graphic designer, you or maybe you'll organically have some stuff from school, but you can create these like fake, you know, projects yeah. for yourself and, and, and create people examples and people time. do that all the yeah. time and that's how they get the job. So it's almost like the same thing as that. But I do have going off of that kind of area I do have two questions so one is let's think of like if a a listener right now is getting very freshly into content creation and wants to land their first brand deal what is what are your kind of tips for landing that like first deal but then also my second question that kind of goes along with that 
I want to know your opinion on taking gifted collaborations yeah. and like if that's and like if that's good in the first place how much product and like how much should you be offering for them or like accepting sure. if you do accept that and then like mm-hmm. when slash if do you stop doing that and be like no I'm not doing anything else yeah. gifted like I have to do this monetized Yes. So the second part of that question is honestly the best way to start with this overall. And I love that you asked that because it's another very controversial thing in the industry. And my take is this, when I first got started, there was no way in heck I was jumping into paid collaborations off the bat because I had no idea what I was doing. I had zero experience. That's like getting out of college and expecting to land a six figure job right away, but you never had an internship. You never were in the field at all. And you're like, someone better pay me Mm -hmm. six figures. Doesn't usually happen. This is part of the industry too, where you might get lucky and a brand reaches out to you and is like, Hey, we want to pay you. We love your content. And there are situations like that more times than not though. I do suggest that you take on some gifted opportunities to gain that yeah. experience, to see how it is to actually work with brands. Cause there's one thing to learn about how the process works and learn how brands work and how everything goes. It's another thing to actually do it and and walk it out and have that physical experience yourself. So I suggest taking anywhere from like three to five in the industry that you want to focus on and get that experience under your belt, get more confident in, in the content that you can provide in the conversations with the brands, negotiating with them, because that can yeah. be really intimidating. Just talking with the brand back totally. and forth can be intimidating, asking for money, especially as females, unfortunately can feel very yes. intimidating. Yes. Um, <laughs> would love to talk about yeah. negotiation. Cause I got, <laughs> let me tell you, I, I very much, tre- I'm a shark in the industry when it comes to asking for what I know that I deserve with rates. So that's another tangent, but you want to take, I suggest like three to five, get to a place where like, you're still going to be a little uncomfortable asking for payment, but you know that you can deliver, you know, that you should be getting paid and like going into this and taking on a few free things, you know, at the start, or at least you should, that you deserve to get paid. This is you just like getting your feet wet, understanding also what types of collabs you like to do. Because you might think, oh my gosh, I just want to make TikToks all day, or I want to make reels all day. And then you actually do them for a brand and you're like, I hate this. I hate this. Like, (laughs) yeah. And like, I, I I recently did one of, I've done a a few paid collabs, but I did one of my first ones and I, it it was a brand that reached out to me. I, you know, haven't done really many gifted. I didn't really realize how much I should be be charging because I didn't realize how much work it was. Like you don't realize how much work it is until you do it. And then I'm like, oh, if I would have known all that. Yep. I would have charged more. Exactly. So I feel like that's another thing that's a big benefit is like understanding, okay, because creating a piece of content for yourself takes way less time than creating yeah, it for a brand. Yeah, 100%. Because of what you just described at the beginning of the episode, there's like 3,000 steps. Yeah. Anyway. There is. It's <laughs> it's a lot. If you're not in the industry, yeah. it can be hard to grasp that until you actually do it. And so mm-hmm. I would say, you know, do three to five. and And I have a caveat to all of this as well. So stay with me here, but do three to five and then start making sure, like get to a point where you have to set this boundary for yourself. All right. Consider it this way. There are still things to this day that I accept for free. If it's like, you know, a $3,000 hotel stay that I don't have to pay for and I'm Mm -hmm. already traveling there and they want two reels, let's say. And that's actually under what I would typically charge monetarily for that. That's worth yes. it for me. But if they're wanting, yep. you know, we'll give you a $20 t-shirt if you'll post a TikTok reel and sell your firstborn child. No, I'm not going to no. do that yeah. for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the caveat to all of this though, is if a brand reaches out to you first, 
still ask for payment. Even if you're just starting out because they approached you, Mm -hmm. don't just be like, oh my gosh, I'll do it for free. I'll do it for free because I never, (laughs) don't do that. They came to you. You know what I mean? Like at least try. And if it gets to the point where they're like, listen, we don't have the budget, whatever the conversation is, be like, you have to then decide like, what is your boundary for what you're going to accept? And it's going to be different. I tell my students this all the time. Like just because I wouldn't accept something seven years in with the experience that I have, doesn't mean that you just starting out in year zero, that it's a bad fit for you. We are completely different with different goals, different payments, different income, you know, desires, different bills, different expenses, all that stuff. So like that all plays into it, which is why like the idea of freaking, oh, if you have this many followers, you should charge this bull crap. Not true. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you want to get to a point where like you have a set boundary where it's like, okay, five, I'm going to do five things gifted. And then after that, unless it's like one of my dream 100 brands that I want to work with, I'm not going to say yes to this. But if they reach out to you, you should always try and negotiate for payment. I'm mostly speaking to the fact of like pitching and reaching out to them. Again, honestly, it doesn't matter. Always try and go for payment first. And then that second kind of option that you have is whether or not it's worth it for you to accept a gifted collaboration opportunity. And the way that you can decide whether or not it's worth it is always looking at the value. You want everything to be mutually beneficial. There will be times where it might be your dream brand and you're, you're giving a lot more than you're getting, but you just want that brand on your resume. I've done that. Totally. Okay. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. I did that with coach, um, years ago where it was like, right. I'll give you a purse. And I like put a whole editorial shoot together <laughs> that costs a lot of mm-hmm. money and a lot of resources, a lot of time, but it was so worth it to like work with that brand and have that relationship for when I did only you can decide that you might be like coach, absolutely not. You know, but there's going to be brands that are that, that you're like, I will literally do anything. I will do anything. Maybe Mm -hmm. someone's willing to bring you to New York fashion week, but they can't pay you directly to be there, but it's been your dream to go stuff like that. But only you can decide. Okay. So don't look at me. Don't look at other creators. Don't look at other influencers as the baseline or the standard as to what you should accept or shouldn't accept. You have to decide that for yourself and set your own personal boundaries based on your goals, based on what you need to profit. And that comes down to like, what do you need to make? And also what do you want to make? Right. Yeah, that is literally such an amazing point. And I feel like there's so many content creators out there who they're, they are doing this on the side. They have a nine to five. They, yeah. you know, they don't want this to be their full-time job. Okay, accept some free yeah, shit. Free shit. Take oh, all yeah. the free shit and then make some <laughs> videos, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And I feel like one benefit for gifted collabs is, as you said, like you should be treating this as like kind of like training and getting used to it. But also there is a lot less pressure on a gifted collab than there is on a paid collab. You know, like if you really are somebody who is just trying out influencing, you don't, or content creation, I don't really like calling it influencing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But you don't, it just, I don't know about all that. Um, But like you don't have a lot of time, but you still want to work with these brands and be able to say that you work with these brands and that might be a great option for you. And I feel like that's just a really good point for anything is just like, you know, with any kind of coaching, you can hire a coach, but you're not going to be able to tell your, you know, students like, yeah, this is exactly what you need to do. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll you don't give know you how much money's in their bank account. Exactly. Like just, I'll give yeah. you the process. Here are the strategies. Here's here's the system you need to follow. I'm going right. to hand you but my you playbook. But you need to take it. But you need to take yeah. it and, and make your own boundaries, make your own decisions around that. And totally. so I'm really about empowering my students 
to think for themselves and make the decisions on their own and not, you know, leaving my course and being like, Oh my gosh, what am I, what am I going to do? I don't have Kaylee. It's like, well, number one, you get lifetime mm-hmm. access to the course. So I'm always there anyway, but needless <laughs> to say, like they're not drowning. If I'm not there yeah. holding their hand, I don't need to hold their hand anyway, because I'm teaching Absolutely. you how to make these decisions on your own. And something too, I will add on the topic of just gifted collabs is even if you do something for free, you can add that brand to your media kit. So yes, don't forget that, you know, a lot of people have the misconception Mm -hmm. that you can only add paid things to your, no, because you still did the content. You still created, you still have that experience and have that example. You should be leveraging that, you know, use that in your media kit, even if it's gifted. Right. Absolutely. I feel like that's one of the big benefits to gifted. Um, we have, uh, in case anybody's wondering what the sound is, that's my dog rolling around on my floor. Um, (laughs) she really wants to play with her toys that I hid from her. Um, but okay. So let's say that somebody just started out. They want to let's say, reach out to a brand to do a gifted collab or a paid collab. What are your tips for kind of that first collab? Like what should they be communicating? What should kind of the outline of that pitching email look like? How should they be reaching out? Should they be DMing, emailing? Kind of what? Yeah. It's all complicated. I'm sure there's yeah. a lot to it, but what's kind of like <laughs> the steps is, for there that? There is, there is. Well, first thing, if, if a brand reaches out to you via DMs, I move that to email. Like don't yeah. keep talking mm-hmm. in your DMs. And, and I don't, for you listening, like, my DMs get crazy. I don't know how crazy your DMs get, but like my DMs get crazy and I lose things. And I don't want to have like a really Mm -hmm. great opportunity from a brand just like floating around in my DMs and like fingers crossed, I don't forget to respond, you know, and like I see it again. I move it to email because that's also professional too. And I would say like the biggest thing with collaborations, with partnerships and the way that you can stand out is just being a professional human being, a professional business owner, professional creator. And with, with, with that, like that is what, will allow you to get constantly rehired, constantly rebooked, referred to other brands. Because think about it, like similar people are in connection with similar people. So the influencer mm. marketers, the marketing directors, or the social media people, whoever manages the collabs for a brand is usually friends with other people that manage so collabs true. for brands. And so they talk to one another. All right. So the power of referrals is huge. We know word of mouth. Also, they, they also look to other brands because Katie and I do that for guests. Like if yeah. we mm-hmm. have a guest that we like, we go and see who they're following. And yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So like being professional, being communicative, overly communicating, Hey, I got the package in my plan is to, you know, capture the content this day. I'll be having it over to you by the approval day of X, Y, Z, or Hey, content Mm -hmm. is done. I'm in the process of, you know, preparing it for approval. Things like, like you could never say too much. And they love that knowing that you're like seriously on top of things, staying organized, making sure that you are on top of the deadlines that they're giving, that you're timely in your responses. One of brand's biggest pet peeves, because I talked to so many people on the brand side and our CMO actually worked on the brand side of influencer marketing for four years before we brought her onto the team. And so one of her biggest pet peeves too, we talk about this all the time, is that people take forever to respond. Like they'll brand will email you and then it's like, you know, 72 hours a week later and it's like, forget it. Like I don't, this is a waste of time. Like they have so many other things going yeah. on. Okay. So being timely with responses, being organized, being communicative. And when you're actually sending that pitch email out, I have a free pitch template. I don't know if y'all can like link that, but happy to yeah. put that yeah. in there totally. for y'all. Um, that way you guys know exactly what to say. Cause I have a very structured process for how I word all of my pitches. And the biggest mm-hmm. thing that you need to do is make sure it's personalized. It's, it should not all be yes. about you. Hi, my name is Kaylee and I love this. And I started seven years ago <laughs> and call it nobody. They don't care. <laughs> like they yeah, literally they don't, don't 
freaking care. Yeah. Think about the long emails that you get where it's like the yeah. background of them and how they started and the mission behind it. Oh yeah. D- no, we don't need that. Okay. Yeah. So it's just, Hey, my name is Kalia. You know, I'm a Tampa based content creator. You know, it's nice to virtually meet you quick one-liner. And then I go into what do I admire about the brand? Not, oh my God, I love your snap. I love that. No, like I admire the mission or the vision that you have or the way that you invest in this community or the way that you bless people with, you know, X, Y, Z. And then I go into, you know, based on those things and also the content that I specialize in or however I'm pitching these deliverables, I'm like, here are the kinds of content, like I'd love to partner with you. And these are the kinds of ideas that I had and the kind of content that I'd love to create for you. And there is also Mm -hmm. some controversy around me saying that I've had a lot of people on TikTok be like, well, you're going to just give them free ideas and they're not going to pay you. And then what are you going to do about that? And it's like, first of all, get out. Second of all, (laughs) yeah, you at least tried like, so then what's the option that you just send a general email like everyone else and say, Hey, I'd love to work with you. They don't care. Well, I know. Yeah. (laughs) I know from being a social media manager that these people, the half the reason that most of these companies are hiring influencers, they don't have time to make all the ideas. Exactly. Exactly. Like they really don't, they really don't have time. They're probably not going to just steal your ideas and run. Yeah. Also, if you have some sort of like golden nugget idea, don't share that one. Just share, you know, a a more general idea. Yeah. Um, But the more we talk, the more like social media management and content creation I mean they're just like the two industries are so close like mm-hmm. I mean you're really the person you're probably working with you know the the influencer manager usually is doing social as well but what you said about personalizing you know I I reach out to clients sometimes because you know dream local clients that I really want to work with and just this week I had a meeting and um, it was somebody that I reached out to and when we got to the meeting he was like the reason I took this meeting is because of how you like spoken like when you reached out to me yeah like I could tell that you have been coming to our restaurant for years I could tell that you like actually enjoy it I could tell that you understand like the local community around us um so I feel like there's a lot to be said for that versus just you know uh, uh, hi, this is all that I have this many followers and yeah, this no. is how many likes I get. And this is, and, yeah, they and, don't care. No, not at all. And the thing is, there's a, there's a huge cloud of, oh, the market is too saturated. I was like, you know what? Actually it is too saturated for people that are cookie cutter influencers and aren't willing to put in the yeah. extra work and are just following what everyone else is doing. But for the yeah. people that mm-hmm. are like actually giving their all being professional, turning this into a business, being extremely personalized in the way that yeah, they easy to work with yes yeah, easy like, to work with that's another huge thing mm-hmm. like if you're hard to work if you're hard to work with you're not getting hired again i'm sorry totally. oh and it's gonna spread around all these yeah, brands, oh, brands yeah, you're gonna get blacklisted and let me tell you brands <laughs> have blacklists of people they will yeah. never work with and that they suggest wow. to other brands they never work Don't with work because with. of how bad yeah. the experience mm-hmm. is and i've <laughs> seen a few of those so yeah, you got to be personalized. And if you really want to stand out, like these are the kinds of things that you have to do. And and this is my my two cents is that there are a, there are a lot of people that want to become content creators because it looks really glamorous and yeah. you travel and you get all these free things. And you know what? There absolutely are times where it is really glamorous and it's really surreal to be living that kind of life. However, more times than not, it's a lot of freaking hard work. And a lot of the content creators that are, you know, seeing other content creators on TikTok and are like, I'm going to start this and I'm just going to make money doing this and I'm going to do a side hustle and, and don't realize how much work it, work it is are not going to last in this industry because it is no joke. It is absolutely no joke to be in this industry. (laughs) This this reminds me of the the video Michaela, what's her name posted and she's like, it's 519. (laughs) (laughs) And I just finished, because I feel like, I, I do feel like it's worth mentioning that I feel like influencers and content creators get a lot of shit for getting paid a ton of money. And I see, you even see like influencer marketing managers for brands. Like I saw TikTok earlier and it was like me paying my entire 
paycheck was for it my the campaign girl paycheck for one Yes. yes I love her love yeah her like paying for one collab like yep. get it like paying my entire yes. yearly salary yeah. um but I feel like in reality like it's super easy to think that when you've never done it but you're I mean you're up in the weeds of like yeah change at, at 216 there's you know it's not zoomed in enough and like cha- you yep. know the revisions and the communication and the emailing and the taxes that you pay and the equipment that you have to buy and if you have an LLC kind of the stuff. fees you're paying for that exactly all of it's it a just, business you know, it all and like that's yes. what really gets yes. me is that like when that whole drama with like Michaela came out, you know, and, and she kind of like made her video about here's where I was when I was saying that. And like, I understand how that could also, be. Also, it was taken very out of context. It was context. very out of context, oh, yeah. which is, yeah. yeah, we won't get into that. However, agreed. <laughs> so yeah. with that whole situation though, it's like, this is, no one is shading other businesses and being like, oh, you mm-hmm. think running a restaurant is hard? Well, you should yeah. look at me and you get to make easy money because you cook food all day. It's like no one shades restaurants or local boutiques or any of these other businesses that people have created because it was their dream. And like that's yeah. their mm-hmm. dream job was to be a chef or to be a fashion designer, to be whatever that yeah. might be. You don't see shade like that when they come on and they say, it's really hard work. It is what I love to do, but it's yeah. really hard work. And like, mm-hmm. that's how it is for us. It's like, I love what I do. I feel so blessed that I get to wake up every day and do what I love. I I right. am so honored that, that this is my life. However, it is not a walk in the park just because it's what I love right. to yeah. do. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a new industry. I feel like um, that, I mean, truly w- us, all of us on this call have watched it when we were younger, that didn't exist. Yeah, no, like, yeah even newer than social media management or social media marketing and all that stuff that still feels really new. Being a full-time content creator is just a really new thing. Um, But we're about to get into what everybody wants to know. Pricing. This is the hard part. This is really the hard part. I think it's deciding how much you want to charge, how much you're worth, and really like being able to conceptualize like – you're, you know, you're not only charging for your time, but you're charging for the camera you used to record it on. You're charging yep. for the, you know, any, you know, the, the props that you had to buy for the video. You're charging for, I mean, there's just so much that goes into it, the editing program you use. So give us your spiel on pricing. How do you suggest people go about pricing their services? Yeah, I'll start with what not to do. And that's just charging for your follower count, because that yeah. is only yeah. one small piece of the equation that's only access to your audience. And I have a personalized equation that I share with all of my students. And it's basically adding in number one, yes, like access to your audience. So the follower account, you do want to take that into consideration, but you also want to take into fact, like what are the, the deliverables, you know, because if you're doing yeah. a YouTube video for them versus an Instagram stories, you should be charging more. So you're looking oh, at like more. time yeah. that you're actually investing into creating that content props that you have to get? Do you have to rent a studio? Do you have to hire any team members like hair and makeup artist or a photographer or a videographer, depending on who's actually going to capture that content, right? And be part of bringing that concept to life. What about things like gas or tolls? If you have to travel somewhere, flights, Mm. if you have to go somewhere, things like that, like any travel time should be taken into consideration. So we're not just looking at time to create the content. We're taking time to like Think about the idea, then create the How content, to then it. edit the content, then actually post that. And then we're also thinking, do we have to add a revisions clause in to make sure that they're not asking for a ton of different changes after we've already put all this time and effort in? We're also looking at, you know, if 
you, I've seen some creators add like a virality clause where basically if a piece of content goes viral and blows up that they pay mm. additional on top of that. Or if they're wanting mm. to, a brand That's is wanting really to smart. boost content, right? They're wanting yeah. additional usage rights or they're wanting exclusivity, which means they don't want you to work with other similar brands or competitors of them. If they're wanting to whitelist your content and put money behind it and boost it as an ad from your account. So it looks like you're running the ad. These are all things that you should be charging extra for, right? That you should add yeah. in there. But at the base, you want to make sure that you're charging for your time. You want to make sure you're charging for access to your audience. And you want to make sure that you're charging appropriately for the amount of deliverables and also any additional fees that come into actually having to create that content. If you wouldn't have to pay for something, unless you were creating the content for the brand, that should be added into the equation. And a big question I get is like, well, how do you know what to put for your rate for expenses if you haven't created the content yet and you like have to get this under contract, you you guess and you inflate it a little bit right. to make, make sure that you're covered. Like, yeah, get, get an ideal. And I always suggest like deciding on like an hourly rate that you're gonna charge for your time and then figuring out how mm -hmm. much time the overall collaboration is gonna take you and multiply that by your hourly rate and then add it to the additional things. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's always a good idea to like inflate it a little bit because oh, yeah, yeah. you're obviously never going to be able to guess exactly. And there's um, always going to be things that come up that you didn't expect. Like literally yeah, like revisions. any like service that yeah. you're providing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I feel like I feel like the pricing part is so scary. And yeah. what you <laughs> so mentioned scary. about – Intimidating. Yeah. And what you mentioned about like exclusivity and all of that, that is something that – what I learned is unless you ask, you don't get that until you've already agreed on a rate and look at the contract. Yeah. Which is yep. a little spooky because, spooky I mean, and you can always renegotiate when you get a, yeah, you, know, you can always renegotiate when you get a, a um, contract, but like, I didn't even realize that that was mm -hmm. a thing. Yeah. Most brands are, they love recently. to be sly. They love to be like, yeah, oh, yeah, here's the rate for the content. And then you get in there and they're like, we want usage in perpetuity and exclusivity yeah. for the next year and usage rights out mm -hmm. the wazoo. Yeah. And you're like, mm. so no. like also that. <laughs> That's great that you mentioned that because that's something you shouldn't be afraid to go back and renegotiate. Like if I get the contract, you could either ask for the contract before you even agree on a rate. But I, I usually just say, here's my rate, get the contract, skim through that or not skim through that, but go through that with a fine tooth comb. Don't skim through that. I said that backwards. So <laughs> go through that with a fine tooth comb. Don't skim your contracts ever because that's where you're going to find those, those kinds of things. And those are things that you should be charging extra for and I just come back to the brand and I'm like hey after you know redlining the contract that's what it's called in like fancy terms in the influencer industry is like you're redlining the contract um right. you know I'll be like hey see attached for my red lines and I'll attach the contract back you want them to usually send it to you in a, like a word document that way you can make the adjustments actually on the contract and then I'll send them an, an email in in the body of that email I'll be like hey per these redlined things for exclusivity I would charge this for the usage rights I would charge this you know happy and I basically offer like hey this is what I would charge however I'm off I'm willing to do it for free if these are the terms so I always give right. them two options if you want mm -hmm. what you want here's what you have to pay yeah. but if you're not wanting to pay here's what I'm willing to give you and those are the totally. kinds of things you always need to think about in negotiation I love that. Yeah, so that's a really good point. Going off of the red line, transferring to red flags. What <laughs> yes. are for with like brand partnerships? What are red flags that point? I mean, you have so much experience with like working with brands. So, what are some red flags that if you see this pop up, you're like, uh, no, never mind. Yeah, I mean, the red flags also depend on where we're at in our relationship. You know, like if they're mm. just reaching out to me 
some of the red lines that I have, or if they're, you know, not addressing me by first name, if it's like, Hey, at Kaylee and Nicole, I'm like, mm, bot mm. or Hey dear, or yeah. Hey babe, immediately delete, mm-hmm. bring back. Yeah. You're not going to catch me. I'm not even going to read through the rest of the email because if you couldn't even, if you don't even have the audacity figure out to my, put name. my first name, like it's not that hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. So that's, that's a huge red flag. If the email, like if just in your gut, you're like, this email is kind of yeah. shady, probably shady. Most times it's very shady. If their website looks weird or their social media looks weird, or they have like a thousand followers, but weird amount of likes and comment, like just things yeah. like that, that are just weird in general are red flags. If you're actually working with a brand and now you're like under, let's say you're under contract with them. Like this is where the re- the red flags get a little little spoopy because you're in a contract. Like, what do you do if some of these things come up and you're like locked yeah. in? And this is where you also want to have like, if the con- if you need to breach the contract for any reason, like let's say for example, something political happens with the brand, do you want to have something in there where you can get out if mm. you don't agree with what's going on or anything like that, that is like, you know, very controversial that might happen that you're worried about. Number one, if you're worried about something like that happening with a brand, I would say that's a red flag in general. But also it's, it's just great to have something like that in there to protect yourself because sometimes it happens with brands that you would never expect that to happen with. Um, I've seen that happen in the case for many students. And so that's just something to be cautious about, but you want to make sure that you can get out of that contract, but red flags in general with, with working with a brand is if they're really, really bad about responding that's a red flag or if like I have a lot of questions Mm -hmm. and it's like I've sent them three or four emails and I haven't heard from them I hate that and likely will not work with that brand again unless they're able to give me a reason as to like why that happened you know like there was Mm -hmm. a transition in positions or you know sometimes there's like I always want to offer grace and sometimes there are very reasonable explanations as to why that is but other times like there's Mm -hmm. not and that's a red flag to me Also, if they don't give you creative freedom, that's something that I'm always Mm -hmm. really big on making sure I have creative freedom going into a partnership with a brand. Because if I don't, then like, why are you hiring me? Because you're hiring me because I know what I'm doing with content and I know my audience. So that would be another one. And then also if they don't want you to sign a contract, like this is kind of before partnership, but if they don't want you to sign a contract, run. Because why not? You know? Or FTC guidelines. If they're being weird about FTC guidelines, don't ever listen to them. Always follow FTC guidelines and make sure that you disclose yes. your relationship with a brand because that's shady if they don't want you to tell people that you're working people with them. That's yes. also illegal. Yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, I have another question about um, – I think that when you're not in the industry, this is kind of something that is hard to access and hard to understand is turnaround times. I feel like yeah. I've had a couple experiences sometimes, you know – they're like, can you get this to me by tomorrow? And I'm like, okay, well, I have no. a job. Like, so like, no, yeah, I no. can't. But kind of what is, you know, what is the normal turnaround sure. time that, you know, you would be like, okay, that's fine. And what is like too, like too quick? Yeah. I mean, it really depends on if we're talking about sponsored content or if we're talking about things like UGC. And I'll, I'll give a breakdown of each. So sponsored content is basically what we've been talking about majority of this interview. Brand pays to have you post content on your social media pages about that brand, right? A reel, a TikTok, mm-hmm. a YouTube video, a blog, whatever that might be. Now with, with that, if they're wanting you to create that content, I typically give a turnaround time of two weeks. However, I love a month. So two yeah. weeks to four yeah. is my typical. I can do two weeks um, and I won't charge like a rush fee. But if they're wanting content, sponsored content within a week, I always charge a rush fee. Think of it like shipping. If you want the package, yeah. if you don't care if the package gets there in a week, you're not gonna be charged extra. But if you want it there tomorrow, 
you're going to be charging, getting paid for your, you're going to have to charge for priority shipping, right? Now, if they want UGC, so user-generated content, the difference between sponsored content and UGC is with UGC, you create that content for the brand and the brand posts that on their own pages. Typical turnaround times for UGC is a week, which is absolutely mind-blowing to me. And that's like, I've seen that. And when I first saw it, I was like, y'all are crazy. And then talking with more brands, it's typically a week or less. I always try and push for minimum a week, ideally a week and a half to two weeks and to see if I can do that. And also I'm like not afraid to say no because my plate is too full. Don't overwhelm yourself with just saying yes, especially when you're like new and starting out and you're wanting to take on so many things. You want to make sure that you can do everything with excellence. And if you can't, then it might be a good opportunity to say no to, you know, protect your boundaries and everything. But I, I, I think with UGC, it's also hard because I personally feel like UGC content is harder to create for brands than sponsored content because I'm creating the sponsored content from the perspective of knowing my audience, but I'm creating the UGC mm-hmm. content needing to understand the perspective of their audience and what their audience is going to resonate with. And I've not been with their yeah. audience the amount of time I've been with my audience for the last seven years. Right. So it's just like a lot Mm -hmm. different and it's definitely harder in my opinion. So I try and fight back for longer timeframes. And if they can't offer a longer timeframe, then I make sure that the money is worth it. Definitely. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Kind of seems opposite of what you would think. Or like, why isn't it all the same? Yeah. Like why isn't all the turnaround? Also because UGC has been around for a really long time, but became really mainstream over the last six months because of TikTok. And so now a lot of brands are starting to do it as well. And like influencer marketing, most brands don't know what they're doing with UGC either. (laughs) Right. Um, Okay. So to close this off, we ask all of our guests at the end of the interview, for top three tips. So if somebody's listening right now, what are three things that they can do right now to work towards making a full-time income from brand collapse? Yeah. So I would say, number one, don't take the first offer that you receive in negotiation with a Mm -hmm. brand. Negotiation is a back and forth dance. That's the whole process. Like you should be able to find mutually beneficial agreement with a brand before just saying yes. Typical Mm -hmm. email conversations with a brand will go back and forth three to four plus times. I've had conversations Mm -hmm. go back 10 times plus, and that's not a bad thing. I think that can feel very uncomfortable and you're just like, oh my gosh, but don't look at it like, oh, you're taking something away from them. You are giving them the content that they're looking for that they can't create, which is why they're outsourcing it to you. So this is a huge benefit for them. All right. So don't be afraid to go back and forth in negotiation. I would say the second thing is that you can make more money and do less work by charging for things like usage rights, exclusivity, whitelisting, even mm-hmm. blacklisting. All mm-hmm. right. So make sure that you're combing through your contracts to see if those things are in there, because I have a lot of students that make more from those than they do from the content they created on their own, which right. is crazy, yeah. which is crazy. And then I would say the third thing, and I hinted at this earlier, is to aim for long-term deals. Don't just get consistent with making one turn, you know, one time offers, one, one off campaigns, the norm. If you want consistent income and you want to make a full-time income and you need, you need something sustainable to actually pay your bills. You need something you can 
can count on. And so that comes with building those long-term relationships. So my suggestion is to always try and take any one-off campaign that you get and work on nurturing that relationship to turn it into a long-term one that you can more consistently rely on. Amazing. Amazing. We love it. We love to hear it. Okay, so let's get into the random question for today. So I believe this episode is coming out the week before Halloween. So today's random question is what is your favorite Halloween activity? So Kalia, you can start us off. Ooh, I would say probably carving or painting pumpkins, like going mm-hmm. to pick it mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. you know, and get a big old fat one. And then yeah. warming it up or, or painting it some way. Yes, right. I love that. That's so fun. Alexis, what's yours? Um, mine, I I my stepsisters are like obsessed with Halloween to the point where like they love like literally everything. But for me, I am not like a Halloween party girl. I want to be like cozy at home with like <laughs> yeah. hocus pocus and like Halloween town and like a whole like spread of Halloween, not just candy, but like stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. like a bunch of candles and everything, just like cozy, cozy vibes. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, my favorite activity is like just the whole process of picking out your costume and all of that. I just, I finally have decided what I'm doing this year and just like Ooh. ordered everything. I'm so excited for all of it to come in. But um, my boyfriend and I are doing, we saw Don't Worry Darling and then immediately we're like, that is what we'll be doing along with everybody Ooh. else on the earth. But um <laughs> <laughs> literally along with every single other person but we, we walked out of the movie and he goes you kind of look like Florence Pugh and I said sorry <laughs> that's a high compliment I said what are you do you want to do that for Halloween and he said sure I said okay sold um anyway so I really like like I just love dressing up it, whether it's dressing up nice or dressing up in a costume like I just love an outfit I'm a fashion girly so I like the whole costume part of Halloween it's definitely my favorite. But thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Yes, we so loved much. having you on, and I know everybody's going to learn so much from this episode. Um, so why don't you plug yourself, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can keep up with you, and see more from you and all that good stuff. Yes. Thank you all so much for having me. It was so fun to chat about of all course. things brand partnerships. But you can find me on Instagram and TikTok the most. It's the same handle. It's at Kaylee and Nicole. And if you're listening to this, please send me a message. I would love to connect with you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Check Your Aesthetic Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want more, follow us on Instagram at Check Your Aesthetic and TikTok at Check Your Aesthetic Podcast. If you want to support our show, text the link to this episode to a friend, share when you listen to CYA on your story, or leave a positive rating or review wherever you're listening to this episode. If you want to hear more from us, be sure to hit the follow button on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll talk to you next Monday. See ya.